What's good, friends? List episode 53 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Project Lockhart, Microsoft's rumored next-gen system with a focus on entry-level pricing, has been a continued discussion point as we creep closer to the start of the next console generation. But new reports show we may finally see the system fully revealed next month. So, this week, we look at how the rumored Xbox Series S will impact the potential sales of its console big brother, the Xbox Series X, and who exactly we will see this value price console speak to the most. Also, Phil Spencer is assuring fans that Project X Cloud is not designed to, and won't, remove the traditional physical console market, but will it help close the gap on performance issues on the rumored Xbox Series S the later the console generation goes? Plus, new placeholder social media accounts for Fable and Perfect Dark registered to Microsoft employees have been spotted, but will this smoke truly lead to the fire that could be their reveal at the upcoming Xbox Game Studios event later this month? We discuss all of this and much more on the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get a podcast at, rate us, review, at, review us. All that jazz. You know what to do. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, aka Travis, on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime from a remote location, in the process of doing a little renovating and moving in a new crib, Mike Peepack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing lately? And what's been going on in life, man? I mean, you're obviously traveling a little bit right now. Yeah, um, I'm recording from a new location here in Virginia, um, just in the basement right now, set up with somewhat of a pretty um, desolate rig here, just <laughs> my MacBook and holding a, a microphone to my mouth because the what I had foreseen did not come to fruition, but that's okay. It's all about passion here, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm showing passion by getting this show. Uh, we're getting it recorded here, so um, for me, not, not much has changed. Um, basically, just in the process of helping my girlfriend... And her mother move into a townhome in Virginia, and I will be moving following my undergraduate coursework uh, in December. I will be moving here probably in January, February time. And yeah, so just kind of before we move a bunch of furniture, before we order a bunch of appliances and stuff, just kind of getting the townhouse a little bit in shape um, and just getting it to where we want it. It's easier to paint and do other remodeling before you actually move in with every with all your stuff so mm-hmm. just kind of getting that taken care of um so drove down to the dc area last night it was about a four-hour drive from where i normally live and um got down here at about eleven forty. and then the only thing that was open was mcdonald's so i had mcdonald's for the first <laughs> time in years and it made me not feel so good and uh dude i had here, i did the same thing yesterday with taco bell um that was the first time i've had taco bell in a long time definitely since everything's gone down like with the pandemic and whatnot but uh i had to i wasn't gonna have enough time between coming on the way home from work yesterday because i had to go into the office for a little bit yesterday 
and then I had other stuff, you know, errands to run around in. I wouldn't be home in time to, like, eat lunch, and I know I wouldn't eat until, like, I don't know, at some point later that night. It, it would be quite a while, so I'm like, fuck, I might as well stop and get something to eat. And I was like, even though I don't want to get fast food, but I saw Taco Bell there, and I was like, you know what? It's been a minute. Fuck it. All right, whatever. And I got it, and I felt like shit the rest of the night. <laughs> like, my, I'm like you, like, my body just wasn't used to eating that shit because everything's been kind of closed down. And, like, the only eating out I've tried to do is, like, you know, actual restaurants to, like, support small businesses and things like that during all of this. But I don't know. So, if you've been yeah. playing anything besides, you know, you know, all this adult stuff and, you know, life stuff and, like, you know, doing stuff with our lives... Pfft. I mean, come on now. You know, let's talk about real stuff like video games. What have you been playing? Good games. Yeah, good games. Um, I have just been basically playing. Uh, now that the Halo Three Insider has ended, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I've basically just been playing um, some Age of Empires and um, the Golf Club 2019. Kind of getting ready, just because I'm really into golf right now. As far as just like every like a lot of my free time, I've just been playing golf, so I haven't been playing as much as many video games but mm-hmm. um with the steam summer sale i need to pick up a couple of single player games and kind of get get something uh get something going there but it's looking like i need to find a ps4 and play the last of us even though this is an xbox show play the first <laughs> one through and play the second one so um i have some stuff coming down the pipe but as of right now pretty much just more of the same yeah. uh what have you been up to or playing i know life for you has been a little hectic, but it's mm-hmm. more personal stuff uh, for you, not so much professional or, you know, other other uh, things that are happening. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been nice. You know, last week I didn't have a lot to talk on just because of I was balls deep into The Last of Us, and I already knew going in that was, you know, being one of my most anticipated games of recent memory. You know, definitely this console generation. Um, you know, it was it was one of those things that I knew I was going to just devour that game like i was going to that was the only any free time i had at that point was going to be dedicated to playing that game you know unfortunately and and god bless my fiance she's the fucking best person in the world she loves that you know i'm passionate about you know video games and content creation all that stuff you know but she loves that i'm passionate about that stuff and she enjoys that hobby doing that hobby with me so it gives me, like, she encourages, hey, like, let's play that game. Let's, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's play that game. So, um, you know, it's, it, it was nice that I knew that she was down to, hey, let's, let's play it. Let's, let's watch it. You know, she's, with games like that, like Naughty Dog games, um, you know, action, third person action adventure, narrative heavy games, she loves just watching them compared to playing them. Um, but, so it's, it, it was nice that I knew I had that, you know, all of my free time could be dedicated to that for the most part. Any chance I got, I was able to play that. But um, after that, pretty much have been bouncing around to a lot of things. Um, I actually finished, for the first time ever, which is kind of weird that it's one of the highest rated games of all time, definitely over the past two console generations, but Bioshock Infinite. Beat that for the first time. I picked it up, the Bioshock Collection. I have it on PS4, but I wanted to play it on PC or no, I have it on Xbox One. I take it back. I have it on Xbox One. But I wanted to play it on PC just to play. I like playing, like, I'm like you. I'd much rather play at a higher frame rate now that my PC's been upgraded a bit. I've been wanting to play more things on PC. So um, I decided to play that and jump into that. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Loved every moment of it. Um, 
it really makes me want to see what Ghost Story Games originally, um, Irrational Games, is up to. Uh, Ken Levine, one of the most decorated and acclaimed storytellers and game designers and directors within gaming for so long, the mastermind behind the Bioshock series. I really want to know what they're working on. Uh, really, really, really bad because they've been working on that game since Bioshock Infinite basically launched it in 2013. So, um, but outside of that, been bouncing around to a couple different things. Uh, you, me, Adam, I guess I should say Adam, you and I um, were playing, and Kyle too, uh, we've been playing a little bit of Halo Reach co-op um, campaign at least, and that's been fun. Uh, we need to kind of get back to doing that because I said now that you know, Infinite's going to be ramping up in terms of the marketing and press and things like that. You know, the hype around that is starting to get a little palpable. So I'm ready to get back into Halo. I'm ready to start playing that again to get that. The itch is starting to come back. I'm starting to get that Halo. Uh, <clears throat> starting to get that Halo rash a little bit. So, you know, definitely want to get back into that a little bit. And then last night, for a little bit, I started Firewatch um, from Campo Santos, the uh, developer that uh, Valve actually picked up not that long ago i think it was like 2018 19 something like that but valve picked them up and they were working on in the valley of the gods and then got dropped or they put that project on hold to move over to help with half like half-life alex and now that that's done i think they're back to developing that as far as i know i think don't quote me on that but i think that's the case um but playing firewatch for the first time it's one of those I don't want to say walking simulators, but basically is a walking simulator, but very narrative heavy, very atmospheric, very built on. And it's very much built, which I hate that I didn't have the time to actually do it last night, but it's built on, I think the average play time's like four hours or something. It's built on you sitting there and playing it in one sitting, which it kind of, it, it irritated me that I didn't have enough time. I'm like, God damn it, this is getting really good. And I want to sit here and finish it the whole time, but I only was able to play like an hour or two last night. So um, I'm looking to finish that up at some point, either today or tomorrow, potentially. Um, but yeah, that's about it on my end. Just kind of bouncing around to a lot of things, a lot of shorter experiences. Bioshock Infinite was only like probably six hours. It was very short. I beat it in like two or three sittings. So um, that's you know, that's awesome. How how'd you feel about that game in general? I uh, like I said, it's in general. I think I'll put it this way. I think it is head and shoulders. Me personally head and shoulders in terms of pacing in terms of presentation eh, maybe not presentation it's it's tied i would say um but atmospheric storytelling everything like that i think it's head and shoulders above both bioshock one and two um wow. especially one and bioshock one's revered as one of the best narrative games of all time and has one of the best twists in gaming and yada yada which i still agree but it's i think that this is that culmination of you see the evolution of what the what Bioshock was doing with the immersive immersive sim genre, if I can talk. Um, but it's really the culmination of all of that, and the way that it's told through uh, Booker and uh, Emily's story is told. It's it's just on another level, um, and it really and it holds up in twenty twenty seven years later. It really holds up. Um, it just sucks that you know we haven't gotten another Bioshock game yet because. I think now's the time where immersive sims are really starting to take off and really starting to have that mainstream appeal, I guess. Um, they did previously, but not as much now where you're seeing games like Prey, like 
even Dishonored, I would say, is an immersive sim from, you know, what it's been shown. Uh, you know, Wolfenstein. I would even, like, potentially... Well, Doom's more of an FPS, but it, it has... It has the RPG elements and things like that that kind of, I feel, put it more immersive sim than previously. Um, right. But it definitely has tropes of it. But you're seeing a lot of these first-person like immersive sims pop up and really resonate with a lot of people that, you know... And it's all because of probably, you know, the resurgence of that genre through Bioshock last gen. So... You know, it's definitely it's definitely a game. Don't sleep on it. Uh, the collection's on sale on the Steam sale right now, and it's always on it's always on sale on you know Xbox One, PS4, stuff like that. And it did just come to Switch, so if you're a Switch player too, you know, pick it up on there. So I definitely for what recommend. It's worth, for what it's worth, um, Bioshock the original mm-hmm. is better than Fortnite per IGN. However, <laughs> Bioshock Infinite not so lucky to be better than Fortnite based on IGN's reviews. Just a little FYI. What what did they uh what did they rate Bioshock Infinite? Bioshock, the original review on IGN got a nine point seven. Okay. And Bioshock Infinite Five. got a nine point four. Okay. That's it is better than Halo Reach, not better than Halo Three. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it, but it's all, it, all Bioshock Infinite, Halo Two, Halo Three I'd have to double check on Halo 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Skyrim are all games that are worse than than uh, Fortnite, just an FYI, based on IGN rating. <laughs> yeah, not, not sure if anyone's familiar with that out there, but figured I'd let you guys know that. Yeah, that, that Twitter account is pretty uh, is pretty funny. Um, it's, it, and it's crazy, because uh, it's like, reviews have evolved so much, even since then, and it's crazy to think. And they're so... <sighs> I, I, oh god, I, Halo CE only got an 8 too. What? Wow. But they gave really? they gave, <laughs> But Halo Master Chief Collection got a 95. Yeah, and that was at Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN. He's the uh he's the lead with the uh previews team over there and is Mr. Xbox on um over at IGN and really in a lot of communities. So, um you know, he did re-review that recently and he said whenever the PC port went out especially too and saying that mm-hmm. you know take away if you look at it previously back when it launched you know looking at it now it's drastically 10 times better in terms of the experience you got out of the box day 1 um which actually I'm working on a little video right now to put up on the channel talking about the importance of Halo Infinite uh, that is going into being really the most important game left of 2020 in terms of impact and whatnot on what it has to do. So look for that in the future. It's kind of one of those things just on the side I'm working on. So look for that on the channel eventually. But Mike, let's get into Button Mash before we get into the deep dive news for the week. Button Mash is where we're going to go through, do a couple of like easy bang, bang, bang news stories and just kind of round them up at the end here. But let's head into the Button Mash for the week. Starting off, Venture beat reporter jeff grubb who has been a reliable source in terms of reporting dates for many of the summer's digital gaming events and does a great job over venture beat he's definitely the biggest name right now going over there that a lot of people turn to for reliability with the sourcing that he gives he is reporting that the xbox game studios event for july the one that we're going to see halo infinite at we're going to see a lot of the upcoming first party titles that people have been clamoring for with xbox supposedly he has that saying that it is going to happen on July 23rd. Microsoft has yet to confirm it, but 
to be honest, it would line up with our next quick hit story that we have. The Xbox Summer Games Fest digital event has been announced and it will have more than 60 downloadable demos for fans to get their hands on, very akin to what you would probably experience at a PAX, at a uh, E3, that you are able to get hands on demos and whatnot like that, kind of replacing and filling that hole that you would get doing even the Xbox experience that they have during E3 or the XO event that they have. Um, and that is going to be from July 21st to the 27th, so kind of slides right in there. So not sure yet, like I said, Microsoft has yet to confirm that, but it will be inter interesting to see how that kind of you know, shapes up as we get closer and closer to that date now that we're into July. Speaking of next gen, according to a press release from 2K, NBA 2K1, its PS5 and Xbox Series X version will release at a suggested retail price of $69.99 USD. That's a $10 increase from the traditional $59.99 USD price point for uh, which the uh, PS4, Xbox One, PC, Stadia, and Switch version will still launch at. So if you're going next gen with 2K, uh, whenever you, uh, consoles launch this fall, you're going to be paying 10 bucks more for the PS5 and Xbox Series X version, which, uh, definitely sticks out to me and we'll touch on at the end of this, but, uh, moving on, Microsoft is permanently closing all but four of their physical brick and mortar stores. London, NYC, Sydney, and the Redmond, Washington one will all still remain. No layoffs have resulted from the decision Microsoft has said though, which is good. Sucks that we're gonna see, you know, stores like that go, but especially the one uh, local to us, didn't they hold a lot of like MCC events there at times? Um, like like uh, qualifiers and things like that for the grassroots programs? Yeah, there wasn't one as far as I knew in Pittsburgh. I know there was one in Ross Park Mall, but- Maybe that's what I was thinking of. They did not hold qualifying events. One that comes to mind, would be like the closest to us would be like Tyson's Corner uh, in Virginia, which is about 45 minutes north of where I lived. I know a few, well, a pretty substantial amount of players of the Halo mm -hmm. 3 community when Halo 2, 2v2, or Halo 3 2v2s was the game that everyone was playing on Sunday tournaments there. Mm -hmm. I know their turnouts were like 20 plus teams at oh, Tyson's wow. Corner here in Virginia. So um, definitely a little bit of a bummer for most of the grassroots Halo players, especially if you lived in an area of a Microsoft store. Mm -hmm. They might not have had the best prizes because you were going to get a Microsoft store card or whatever, but those were good for games or controllers, yeah. whatever you really wanted. So mm -hmm. by and large, I mean, a free entry tournament where you were getting prizes like that is pretty sweet. Yeah. So yeah, and it just builds, it just builds community. It builds the community right. up. And that's what, especially, you know, since we've moved to a primarily online you know, multiplayer infrastructure for the past really two console generations now, you know, you've seen a lot of couch co-op die and a lot of couch land and stuff like that kind of die off. But anyways, moving on, Call of Duty Modern Warfare adds 200 player mode for a limited time to its Battle Royale portion Warzone. Uh, I've yet to see a date attached to how long it will be active though, but definitely jump in there. As always, it's a pretty big update that's coming to Modern Warfare that touches up a bunch of different things, uh, but the big highlight there was with Warzone adding a 200-player mode for a limited time. So if you're into Warzone, jump into that and do that with your buddies. Asobo Studios, the developer behind the critically acclaimed A Plague Tale Innocence, which I do give that a vouch, that game is fucking fantastic, has officially or has announced that the title has now sold over 1 million copies across PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So great news for them. Excellent game by all means. Check that out. It is on Game Pass for PC and Xbox uh, One, I believe both. I know definitely console. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's on the PC app. So yes, it's on both. Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, don't sleep on that. 
Uh, in the similar vein, Ace Combat 7 has shipped over 2 million copies worldwide, and that is also shipped, that's not sold, but shipping 2 million copies worldwide for a flight sim game like that, or flight action sim game, whatever you want to call it, is pretty, definitely a pretty big mark to throw around. Uh, moving on, Microsoft released a new little trailer highlighting optimizations for the Series X and Smart Delivery. Go check that out. I'll throw that in the description below. Uh, just a little splash trailer that I thought was cool and a lot of people were talking about. But uh, And then coming to Game Pass, Xbox has revealed that Soul Calibur 6, coming to console, out of, the bar, out of the Park Baseball 21, coming to PC, are now available on Xbox Game Pass. As in, right now, if you're listening to this, go in your console, go in your PC. You can download those right now. And then on July 9th, Talking next week, the service will see Fallout 76, both on console and PC, which is pretty crazy, and CrossCode on console to be added to its library. And the Fallout 76 version does include the Wastelanders DLC, the one, or the uh, Wastelanders update, I mean, that is free to all players. And from what a lot of people are saying, fixed a lot of the game and made it feel like a more traditional Fallout game. So if you're interested in that, I'm definitely going to check it out just because it's on Game Pass. Um, and give it another try. I've been looking for an excuse to at least give it another go. So definitely check that out on the 9th when it drops. And then just a heads up to July 15th, the following titles will be leaving Game Pass. Blazing Chrome, which was on console and PC. Dead Rising 4, which was on console and PC as well. Metal Gear Solid 5, console and PC. Uh, Time Spinner on PC. Unavowed on PC and Undertale on PC. Definitely play Undertale. Undertale's a great fucking game. So Mike, anything stick out to you before we kind of move on to the deep dive news that you want to touch on a little bit? Yeah, I feel like um, the biggest thing besides, obviously, um, the Microsoft Store is closing. Um, that's kind of like a minuscule event, but mm -hmm. to Halo players, it might suck a little bit. Um, the Xbox Game Fest um, sounds amazing, and that's mm -hmm. where we have gotten, confirm not confirmation, but that's where we should see the first gameplay of Halo Infinite. So July 21st is a big deal, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think we'll wait. probably see it then, but that the July 23rd event, the actual event like that they're right. going to have that direct, like the digital event that they've been hyping up for how long now? Um, no, I agree. Uh, I think those first couple days of that event are probably going to be more like ID at Xbox, maybe indie games, things like that, that they're going to get their hands on. But I, I'm with you. If it, we still got four days after that. And if, you know, Jeff Grubb's reporting on, hey, July 23rd, that's the date that you can expect to see the first party event from Microsoft. And we're going to see Halo Infinite. We're hopefully going to see Fable, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Potentially uh, the Initiatives game, which is rumored to be Perfect Dark, potentially. And, you know, we may see that. You know, it's things like that. And supposedly, from what I've heard from, um, you know, some pretty reliable sources, there's going to be some big surprises there. So... Um, you know, definitely, like, I agree that twenty, the 23rd and beyond, if there's 60 demos available, it's possible we get some hands-on play with Halo Infinite. You never know. So. I think that's probably, for them to be so silent, so hidden, or it feels like they're trying to hide Halo mm -hmm. Infinite, which... For all intents and purposes, like, Shadow Drops, things of that nature have done great in the past, mm -hmm. but it feels like if Halo 5 or even MCC is any indication that games that are going to be multiplayer uh, upon release, mm -hmm. widely multiplayer, they really need a beta of mm -hmm. some sort because you need to work yeah. some of those kinks out. And so Halo, and, and they've done it in the past with Halo. I mean, mm -hmm. since Halo 3, really, they've had beta public, quote unquote public, some access, you know, whether it's gated through a pre-order or 
buying fucking crackdown or um or in mcc's case buying mcc to get to the access to the beta for halo 5 you know but they have done public betas like that within the time frame that the game's launching like within that year to six month time frame it's not unheard of it's it's super necessary um mm-hmm. and other than that um just like the xbox game pass you know turnover that they're having i feel like they're losing a really good game in metal metal gear solid 5 and i feel mm-hmm. like that's probably one of the games when I go home, I'm going to download and play immediately. And mm-hmm. I should probably give Undertale a play also. Mm-hmm. But all things considered, I feel like they're getting, you know, getting Fallout 76 on PC and I have Ultimate. Like, I will actually download it and play it for free. Like, yeah. I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing that does stick out to me um, with all of this, you know, besides what you said, the, the, it, it's all relevant to some degree. And, you know, obviously for talking about it on here, but. The one that sticks out to me the most, besides potentially, obviously, the uh, first party event and whatnot, and, you know, and I'm really happy for a Sobo Studio with A Plague Tale Innocence, because I can't stress that enough, that game is excellent, please play that game, especially if you like stealth games, and this one is very narrative heavy, which is awesome, um, and it is a very beautiful game, definitely, if you have an HDR TV, like, played on that and normally i'll say hey play it on pc if you want the best experience quote-unquote experience that's a game that i cannot stress enough to play with a controller on a 4k hdr tv like do it if you can um but outside of that to me it's the info coming out about 2k where this is the first time we're seeing hey the long if you ask me overdue like msrp bump that we're seeing for games like for the longest time i mean we probably should have been paying 69.99 if not 79.99 for games at certain times um just because of how much and how much expensive or how much the price of game development has gone up over the years you're seeing multi-million dollar budgets that are going into games exuberant exuberant amounts of money that are going into game development um to create these crazy triple a experiences but you know, with something like that, like 2K, it's interesting to see that this be the first domino. And it's going, if you ask me, it is definitely going to be a domino effect where, mm-hmm. you know, hey, it may not be this year, but next year, Madden. Next year, you know, NHL. And then it's slowly going to slip into, hey, here's The Last of Us Part 3. Here's Halo Infinite 2. Here's fuck fable or whatever the initiative's working on i mean the initiative through has been throwing microsoft's been throwing a ton of money into that studio so you know if it comes out at 69.99 i'm not shocked like it's expected at this point like it's inevitable if you ask me yeah um especially with inflation and whatnot i mean and it's been 15 years since we first since we've seen a bump from that you know coming from the ps2 original xbox gamecube generation at I think really it was forty nine ninety nine to the fifty nine ninety nine price tag with Call of Duty two on three sixty. I think was the first game to really do that. So yeah, and and this is a drum you've been beating for weeks mm-hmm. on end, basically. So um, definitely want to say like this is definitely something you saw coming for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know when you talked about it on the show, it definitely makes a lot of sense that games would go to be more expensive because look at the budget Halo Infinite has. I mean something's got to give you can't feed developers peanuts expect good games and pay little to nothing for games essentially because yeah 60 dollars is you know 
normally a lot of money to people. Not a lot, but it, it's enough that you kind of have to, some people have to kind of double think like, which game am I actually going to buy this, this Christmas time? Mm-hmm. There's five games that I want and they're all 60 bucks. You know, which three am I going to get or which two? Mm-hmm. And it, essentially we've been playing, paying peanuts for these games and expecting high quality content when in all reality, if they charged $80 for the game or $70 for the game, maybe the game would release and it would work and we would get a much better experience out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's something that kind of, I kind of glossed it or glanced over because it's, it's a non-factor for me because I know there's been, you know, collector's editions that have always been more expensive, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, Ends have to justify the means, and by that I'm saying, if you're going to charge more for the game, it has to be better than what you've been releasing, or else people are going to be like, hey man, like, if I'm going to pay $70, $80, $90 for a game, it better work, and it better be better (laughs) than what you've been releasing the past five years, because with with companies like EA, they're gladly going to take this pay jump, right? They're Mm -hmm. gladly going to be like, yep, $75 for Madden, $80 for Madden, suck it. And if they're releasing the same shit they've been releasing year after year people are going to stop buying it. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the way it is. So no, hundred uh, percent. And it, it, that's going to come with that. I think. And, you know, if we see that continued rise in quality and granted, like you got to play inflation into, you know, about this, like inflation does play into it too, that, you know, not in the minimum wage though. No, true. No, not to be political, but you no, know, it doesn't minimum wage stays damn at right. 725. Uh, inflation never affects what you should make on minimum wage yeah which is pathetic but that's a discussion for another time um but if we're talking about cost and cost effectiveness and whatnot that kicks us right into our first deep dive news article for this week we're talking microsoft's second next gen xbox is reportedly set for august let me cut you off there okay can i cut you off real quick yes I want all the listeners of the show, the hardcore listeners that have been here for a long time, even uh-huh. if this is your first show, you, you'll notice, but everyone who's been listening since for a long time, mm-hmm. notice how just perfectly uh, my boy T-Dog there made the segue into our news section. Well, no, now, I, I screwed it up because I ruined it. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, what the, the fuck? <laughs> but I just want everyone to realize how smooth that transition was. I appreciate and, you know, that, brother. I appreciate yeah, absolutely, that. and we gotta we gotta appreciate the the content, and we gotta appreciate the passion that we put into this. And my God, that was a flawless transition that Thank I just you. had to ruin to yeah to showcase the occasion. I mean, I, I a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. I'm not gonna lie. So, but <laughs> right. but I appreciate that, man. I really do. So let's let's kick into that news story I was talking about. This comes from Tom Warren over on the Verge. Uh, as always, links in the description as we always do. Go over there, give Tom a. Uh, give Tom, I almost said a lick, that would have been fucked up. Go over there and give Tom a click. I'll take the blame for that when I threw off your mojo. Yeah, you threw off my everything. God damn it. Anyways, let's get into it. A leaked Microsoft document recently hinted at a company at the company's second next-gen Xbox, and now rumors suggest it will be fully revealed in August. Eurogamer reports that Microsoft had originally planned to unveil the console codenamed Lockhart in June. Microsoft has now reportedly moved these plans to August, and Eurogamer claims the console will be named the Xbox Series S. Microsoft has been working on its, on the second, cheaper next-gen Xbox for months. A Microsoft document leaked last week shed some further light on the company's plans. Microsoft's Xbox Series X dev kit, codenamed Dante, allows game developers to enable a special Lockhart mode that has a profile of the performance that Microsoft wants to hit with this second wave, or second wave of console. 
While we've been reporting this performance includes a slightly underclocked CPU, The Verge has seen additional documents that suggest Lockhart will actually have the same speed CPU as the Xbox Series X. The Lockhart console will also include 7.5GB of usable RAM and around 4 teraflops of GPU performance. The Xbox Series X includes 13.5GB of usable RAM and targets 12 teraflops of GPU performance for comparison. If the reports are accurate, Microsoft can choose August to unveil the second gen second next-gen Xbox alongside pricing for the Xbox Series X. This second console is designed as a more affordable option with 1080p and 1440p monitors in mind. Microsoft would have to detail some type of pricing alongside its Lockhart reveal, and it's reasonable to assume it will be heavily tied to the Xbox All Access subscription. So Project Lockhart really hasn't been a secret for quite some time now, with rumor mills churning with whispers of it all the way back to E3, or to 2018 after E3, when Throts Brad Sam first reported on Project Scarlet launching in 2020, and, you know, to his understanding at the time, that Project Scarlet was a family of systems, not just one singular system. So obviously, that message has been ironed out a bit now, both on our side with the media and Xboxes as well, with Scarlet officially referring to the Series X and Lockhart being or beginning to become this rumored development name for the entry-level version. So it's been here for quite some time is what I'm trying to say. So while we've talked about it a few times before with less details floating around, I have to ask, you know, what market will this console satisfy? You know, does it have a chance of potentially being cannibalized by the Series X if, say, it launches day and date with that same console? And in August, do you think we're going to get a price and release date, you know, right out of the gate with this when it's revealed, Mike? I definitely think um, with PlayStation being leaked, the price anyway, and it mm-hmm. being confirmed, I feel like they have kind of pushed Microsoft's hand. They're going to have to re- release a price for their consoles at this point. Um, with them being, you know, with the information coming a little later, they also have that kind of heads up where they can kind of decide where they want to go with it. Um as far as what market will this, you know, um, uh, suffice, I suppose a console like this would be very good for someone who may not be a enthusiast, may not want to pay the money for a gaming computer, may not want to pay the money for an Xbox Series X. Um, I think it'll actually do okay. I think providing an another option for customers who might not want to pay the premium price for a ps5 or even a series x Mm -hmm. but getting into that next gen i think it's reasonable and i think it's probably going to actually sell pretty well i think if anything it might hurt the series x sales personally and the reason being is if you're pretty much saying that it has almost every single hardware element that series x has but it's going to might not it might not look as good it might not run as fast there are going to be plenty of savvy purchasers out there who just don't really want to spend the money. Uh, and I think that ultimately it will kind of split sales with the Series X. I don't think either console will do particularly poor. But I do think that, you know, whenever you give your customers a choice like this, it's going to hurt your bottom line with, like, let's say the Series X was the only console that was released. Obviously, that console is going to sell. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's obvious, and it's me pointing out the obvious, that that console is going to do a little worse. Mm-hmm. But I think they're doing right by the customers by giving them the option that, like, maybe you're not that into it, and you just want to have a next-gen console to play with your friends. And if they want to use the Series X 
by all means, they'll be able to purchase that, but you're still going to be able to keep up with a Series S. I think that's great by Microsoft, and I think um, customers are going to appreciate that honesty, and they're going to appreciate the having the option to go with either one. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I, I don't... I don't disagree. I think that, though, my only concern is because it, it, it does play into what Microsoft's been building as Xbox being this platform. And that's probably going to be, you know, a, a theme of this episode, considering the couple more news articles that we do have. Um, we're probably going to end up talking about that a lot. But, you know, it, it definitely plays into Microsoft's we don't care, you know what you play on just so you're playing our games and it could be phone tablet xbox series x xbox series s now potentially the xbox one xbox one x you know so it definitely plays into that and i think it will help that message and you know it could potentially if they come out and like you were saying with the ps4's price pretty much being leaked by a lot of different sources and it sounds like it's going to be 499 um you know I think that Microsoft has been holding out and, you know, I definitely think that you look at, you know, the mixer situation, you know, that to me, while, you know, obviously they had some, you know, internal issues that were going on, you know, between low viewership, a lot of the, you know, workplace issues that were popping up with them that needed to be pulled out from the root. And, you know, I totally agree with all that, but, um, you know, at the same time too, Closing down a big subsidiary like that definitely helps offset, you know, somebody who, a console manufacturer that's looking to launch their console at a loss. So, you know, if they're going in and planning on launching the Xbox Series X at, you know, say $399 or whatever, and this potentially gets that box, the Xbox Series S box out there for somewhere between $199 and $299, I think that is going to really 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 help in terms of getting numbers right out of the gate with them because we've seen how it worked and granted this generation once it got started rolling of course it was the story was exclusive exclusives exclusive this is the reason why like like sony did a couple weeks ago during their reveal event for the ps5 they sold you reasons okay this is the reason yes we're doing hard generational cuts but this is the reason why you want to do that because we can only give you these experiences on a playstation 5 and they gave you reasons to go and buy it they gave you spider-man miles morales they gave you you know uh they gave you horizon zero dawn 2 they gave you all of these newer titles that hey you can only play these on a ps5 this is the reason why you want to buy this Microsoft has yet to do that, personally, for me, where they've said, like, hey, like you were saying, we haven't seen Halo Infinite gameplay. We haven't seen, you know, what the initiative's working on. We haven't seen, you know, this rumored Fable game. We haven't seen what the Coalition could potentially be doing. We haven't seen what else is coming to this box right out of the gate. You know, we've seen Hellblade 2, which looks fucking phenomenal, and I cannot wait to play that, but we don't have a date on that. We don't have anything necessarily concrete on that. Hopefully that's there you know, later this month, whenever we get to that July event. Um, but I think if they go any higher than 299 with this box, with the project or uh, with project Lockhart, the quote unquote series S, I think that's where we're going to get into problems. I, I think if we get any higher than that, or if the series X is get, gets any higher than 499 potentially, 
I think that's where we're going to get into issues, and I think that's where one could cannibalize the other. Where you know, hey, if the series, you know, the series X is, you know, even two ninety nine potentially, where it's a hundred dollar difference. Some gamers may just say, okay, well, if the Series X is only 100 bucks more, I'm only buying this thing. I'd rather buy a $400 machine and, you know, yeah, pay 100 bucks now, but save me the hassle of going and spending another, you know, $400 or whatever down the road when I can't play games potentially at the quality that they're being designed for, which is a whole other conversation in mind. But, you know, how we talk about the base console should be what a game's developed for, so the user base has full access to it. But at the same time, though, we're talking about business and we're talking about moving product and we're talking about, you know, everything that goes into it that I I think they're, I think it's going to satisfy, satisfy that entry level that, hey, this is my secondary form of gaming type of, kind of like what the Switch does right now. For a lot of people, they either have a PC or a main home console and they have a Switch. It's like, yeah, I bought the Switch, you know, oh, I want to play Zelda and stuff like that, and I can play it handheld, I can do whatever, but a lot of people, that isn't their primary form of gaming, and that's where I could see that audience being really the bulk of people who are buying this, probably, or, you know, maybe, you know, a kid's first system or something like that, a younger kid, or where a parent doesn't want to make a full commitment or something like that at Christmas, but, you know, I think for the majority of quote-unquote gamers, that's going to be a secondary piece that Xbox Series S just so I could play Game Pass games just so I could play exclusives things like that I could play Halo Infinite I don't have a PC to play it on but you know I mainly play on PS4 but I'm interested in Hellblade I'm interested in you know so I can get in the door at 199 299 something like that you know I definitely think that'll help it out but in terms of at launch if they launch simultaneously it's going to we got to see how price shakes out and I definitely, I think there's no way in hell they showed this box and it doesn't, we don't have a price and release date right. with it. Like once it's revealed. And I, I even think that about the Xbox Series X, I think that, I think what's going to happen is August rolls around. I don't think we'll see price at, at the July event, but at the same time too, August and July really aren't that far apart. Like by the time we're talking end of August, you know, probably or end of July, this is probably going to be at max four weeks later, this August event. So, you know, okay. You throw that out there. Do you just hold both of them and announce the prices of both at the August event? I definitely think the series S like, there's no way in hell they don't announce the price and release date for it. But do you hold the Xbox series X until that? I I don't, I don't think, I think at this point, PlayStation has kind of showed their hand, mm-hmm. and I think you kind of have to answer. I do think um, uh, a really important part of the Series S is this. Well, something that like I just kind of just kind of dawned on me: if they make it the two ninety nine price you were kind of talking about or alluding to, or whatever the price may be, mm-hmm. this could be a direct way to kind of cut into Sony's customer base without making them make the decision between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. This could be the way that's like, there's Sony people that don't have PC and they want to play Halo. Well, they can just get the Series S. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- that's something that just kind of came to mind that I, I think that might be part of Microsoft's tactics as a way to offer a lower entry point for people that have PlayStation or whatever and kind of want both in a way that they don't have to drop a grand for both. You know what I mean? Right. No, definitely. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes with 
the Series S and whatnot, and just in general, launching with, you know, two different models of the same system. And we kind of saw that with the Xbox 360 when they launched the, you know, Xbox. I can't remember if it was the Premium or what, but then they launched, they sold the Core as well and the Arcade that had, one didn't even have a hard drive, another one didn't, only had, like, a memory card. Like, so it's, we've seen, we've seen segmented, like launches in terms of or tiered launches i should say of product from xbox before it isn't unheard of but i think this is we're getting to a level now where we're talking this actually impacts performance um you know so it'll be it'll be really interesting it's this is the first time we're really going to see something of this magnitude where we're not just talking like hard drive space or anything like that we're talking physical performance of a machine so It'll be interesting. So, Mike, in the same vein kind of as, of that, let's move on to our next news article here. Xbox boss Phil Spencer stresses that streaming won't take over for a long time. This comes from Eddie Machuk via GameSpot. As always, link in the description. Go over there. Give Eddie a click during all of this. So, In addition to launching the Xbox Series X console this year, Microsoft is rolling out its xCloud streaming service with Game Pass to help reach a bigger audience. The head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, wants to assure people that Microsoft remains committed to the physical console, which really should be no surprise given that Microsoft has plans to make another Xbox console after the Series X. Speaking during a Game Lab fireside, fireside chat, Spencer stressed that the cloud gaming will not overtake and replace consoles anytime soon. The xCloud service is merely another option for, player, er, for people who want it. Quote, I've never tried to position xCloud as a replacement for your gaming PC or for a console, he said. I like to sit down in front of a big screen and play on a console. I'm sitting here at my PC rig right now, and I like to play here, but I'm not always in front of these two or those two devices, and I want to be able to play where I want to go and play on this device that I choose. I don't think the highest, I don't think the highest fidelity place to go play a game is going to be streamed from a Azure data center or anybody's data center anytime soon, he added. But that doesn't mean it's not a viable place to play. We're building this, uh, we're building this capability to enable you to go and play the games that you want to play, but not as a replacement to where you go to play them today. Spencer mentioned that, quote, hundreds of thousands of people are already using xCloud through its closed beta tests in some parts of the world. The feedback has been helpful for Microsoft to build a better product, and Spencer said he's excited to expand the rollout and add Game Pass to the mix this year. Quote, we're going to bring xCloud into Game Pass. A natural way to extend where you can play your Game Pass library is to add the ability to stream to mobile devices, he said. We'll be talking more about that pretty soon. It's actually not too far off now, where we'll give more clarity on the business model, which I think people will really like, as, we, as well as the library of games to go play and where you can play them at. We're close. We feel good about the tech. Right now, Microsoft's engineers are preparing for the launch by adding hundreds of thousands of Azure server blades around the world to help xCloud reach people globally. Quote, I think xCloud will have an impact in a lot of places, some expected and likely some unexpected, Spencer says. So with xCloud, while xCloud is clearly going to be an integral part of Microsoft's next-gen plans, it's still really refreshing to know it's been it's not being positioned to eventually phase out that console that you're spending five, $600 on potentially and lose that traditional console experience, but just another viable option to gamers who have access to what it is being promoted as this Xbox platform we keep talking about, you know, where we don't care 
how you play our games. We just want you playing them. We want you playing Halo Infinite. We don't care if you play it on your TV, on your box, on your Series X, your Xbox One, your PC, whatever. We just want you playing it. Um, you know, so with that being said, you know, we just talked about, you know, the surrounding rumors about Project Lockhart reveal coming in August. You know, while Phil's focused on xCloud being an on-the-go option for gamers outside the traditional form of gaming at a console, do you think xCloud, Mike, will be an emphasis feature for the Xbox Series S, the Lockhart, to emulate some of those features its console big brother, the Series X, you know, supports natively? Do you think that's where the, hey, you're able to still get these games and stream them at 4k if you have the internet capabilities you won't just get them natively do you think that's going to be something that is going to be a feature of the xbox series s or a you know this is another reason why yeah you can get this natively but if you're you still want to try to emulate that you know you can get this box for 200 300 yeah i definitely think it's a possibility that this has been talked about previously on the show so i won't go mm-hmm too too deep into it just for those that have listened before but i think this is the possibility that you and i have kind of discussed at length about what lockhart would have been and now we know it's going to be the series s basically Mm -hmm. i think the series s will kind of go i think like if it's going to have the same processor that the series x in there has to be corners cut somewhere to get that price down the corner that's going to be cut is the hard drive space I, i would imagine that would be the easiest thing to cut And when you cut hard drive space, you're going to have to give people the opportunity to stream. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, where I'm moving, you might be jealous and others that listen to the show might be jealous. But I'm sitting here with gig up and gig down. So to me, the streaming option is going to be great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to be living somewhere where the Internet is just phenomenal. However, a short four hour drive home, that's not the case. (laughs) And it's crazy to think that I I will live in such a metropolitan area in the outskirts of dc that the internet is going to be amazing i can we have verizon um if verizon makes us mad in the first two years of our pricing we can go to comcast i have the choices i have options at home that's not the case you're stuck with comcast you're stuck with neighborhood providers um i think that the series s could seriously be an option where they're gonna have to cut prices somewhere and using the streaming service on a console like that makes a ton of sense. Um, again, I have had friends, you have demoed the X cloud service mm-hmm. on the phones. Um, when you don't have a reliable Wi-Fi, it's awful. When you do have reliable Wi-Fi, there's still a noticeable delay. Now, will we ever get to a point in technology that that delay is non-existent? I believe we will. I think it's stupid to think that human nature wouldn't get to that point. Mm-hmm. However, the way it is now, we're just not there yet. So, It'll be interesting to see what they do with this, but I do think the Series S will be kind of the first dipping the toe in the water of how far can we push the streaming um, market view or streaming option uh, to our customers. Yeah, and that's what it's all going to come down to really is, you know, I'm sure in, you know, Microsoft is run by very intelligent people on the tech side that... I'm sure they're taking into consideration, okay, is this going to be a feasible, you know, uh, investment on our end to work on this technology to implement it into the, you know, Series S or something like that? Is it worth doing that if a majority of 
our consumers, one, aren't going to use the service because a large majority of our users don't have access to appropriate network connections to be able to support what they're getting out of it. Or is it, okay, we have the technology enough to, through our Azure servers, that we're able to actually support. You don't need as high of a, you know, you don't have need as high of download speeds to be able to communicate with us to get that, you know, 4K or 1080p, 60 frames, uh, you know, image quality and performance quality to your box as you would if potentially another, you know, less powerful server like we're seeing with even Stadia or something like that. You know, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. I would think that if you ask me the way that they're implementing this, like I wouldn't be shocked if potentially it's included like uh, uh, on the Series X. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked. There's too many series at this point. I'm getting all confused. Um, like I wouldn't be shocked if it's included with, you know, the 499, 599 box of the Series X. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they have that functionality built into that because it's... It just seems like they just want to give you as many options as possible as a gamer to play their games. Um, and that just buys into it. That just is part of all of that. That if they're, you know, now granted, there's less of a reason to have that on a Series X because the later we get into the console generation and kind of like what we talked about on Party Chat last week where we said, oh, okay, what's what's going to be, we raised the question, question of, okay, what's, since we're going to have cross-gen titles for two years or so, you know, what is going to be the true first, true, like, Xbox Series X exclusive title? Well, if we're looking at, you know, similar specs of the Xbox Series S to really what's comparable for an Xbox One X or a, you know, PS4 Pro or something like that, Okay, you're already seeing like granted the the Sear, or the Xbox One X a little different from the PS4 Pro, but looking at the PS4 Pro, you're already starting to see technical limitations with that. If it's a similar, you know, performance standpoint of that in the Xbox Series or the Xbox One X, how long are you going to be able to physically be able to take that console forward? Is this going to be a short-term thing where you launch and it's really relevant for three four years or something like that you know who knows and that's where i think xcloud comes in handy with a system like the series s where it's okay as we get longer into this console's life cycle you're able to experience you're still able to play these games that we're putting out natively they may not be to the performance level that you're hoping for but here's this option if you if you're a part of xcloud and you're a part of the service or whatever because i'm sure it'll be a subscription service because it's not cheap to run those servers so you know hey we're going to, if you're part of this, you're able to still get these. You're able to get dedicated servers that will stream you these games at a, at a high fidelity, at a you know reasonable cost of your data in terms of you know download speeds needed. We're going to be able to make that happen for you due to the technology we have. And, you know that's where I see that coming in handy with it. Uh, but I mean, primarily, it's still going to be hey on your phone, on your whatever. I would be there's there's rumors that keep popping up of. It eventually coming to Switch of, you know, Project X Cloud coming to your Switch, but your Switch, your tablet, your phone, whatever, like, that's where I see it most applicable. Your laptop or whatever, your PC, like, I still see it more applicable at those places for games that aren't necessarily, you know, PC native or whatever like that, and you want to play that, kind of like PS Now, but... I don't know. Who knows, man? It, it's going to be... I'm really... I think that's what I'm most curious about is to see where they go with xCloud and how that 
builds into their like how that affects their overall plan you know five years down the road like what does the gaming landscape look like you know then when you look back at the beginning of this generation how drastically different we are as you know as this sect of art has gotten to and how the business side has trans you know transformed and how games are presented now are just drastically different so it'll be interesting man it'll be really really interesting so let's mike let's head into the last news article for this week xbox downplays mysterious fable and perfect dark social media accounts this comes from jordan Oleman over on ign as always link in the description and there's actually two articles that i'm going to reference in here so i'll throw both of them over there they're both from jordan he does great work so be sure to go over there support him give him clicks and whatnot Microsoft has downplayed the significance of two social media accounts that reference Microsoft properties Fable and Perfect Dark, but fans aren't convinced yet. Last week, fans picked up on an at Fable and at Perfect Dark game accounts, both of which were registered in early 2020. Verge journalist Tom Warren noticed that the Perfect Dark account was followed by a Microsoft employee, which turned out to be Ken Lobb, creative director at Microsoft Studios and former Perfect Dark developer. Warren also noticed that the Fable account is registered to a Microsoft email address. Microsoft Games marketing Aaron Greenberg was quick to quick to squash rumors about the accounts, replying to Warren's tweet and stating that, quote, it's standard practice to secure social, social handles for our IP, noting that the accounts have, quote, been inactive for years. However, it clearly states on the placeholder pages that both accounts joined Twitter in March and June of 2020. So what's really going on? The, per- the at Perfect Dark Game account subsequently tweeted to say that it had been acquired by a fan of the series, but was surprised to see Ken Lobb request to follow the page. Adding to the strangeness of the situation is the fact that both accounts were originally spotted with the display name Placeholder, which the Fable account still shows. Jordan also had a follow-up... follow-up uh, Jordan also had another follow-up article that was released this morning uh, that is kind of like, I said, a pseudo-follow-up to this article stating that Microsoft had renewed the Fable trademark during all of these rumors. The trademark application was filed on June 26th. Jordan writes, It's standard practice for businesses to renew trademarks for IPs that they own, but within the current context, it's an interesting move, especially when you notice the quote-unquote intent-to-use tag, which is marked as yes, despite the current current use tag being marked as no, suggesting that Microsoft has future plans for the franchise. So, Fable and Perfect Dark are two franchises we've been hypothesizing seeing a return on Xbox and next-gen consoles, especially the former. You know, Playground Games have been has been attached to the Fable rumors since 2013, like three years ago, when the studio announced they were opening an additional studio and hiring for their next project that was, quote-unquote, an open-world action RPG. And that's even with Eurogamer reporting that the title would be, in fact, a new Fable title only one year later. So, you know, clearly Microsoft is going to do everything they can to, you know, reveal those upcoming releases that they oversee on their own schedule. So, naturally, Aaron Greenberg is going to just squash those rumors saying, oh, yeah, these have been inactive for years. And it's, you know, it's common practice to place, you know, make placeholder accounts and listings and stuff, which the latter is very true, but... It clearly, you know, says the accounts that were registered, you know, these accounts were registered and created in March and June, respectively. So, you know, while the Perfect Dark account, you know, that whole situation just kind of seems like a whole different ball of wax right now, though I don't necessarily, things are as what they seem to a degree, you know, I don't know if necessarily a fan got that or if they're trying to, you know, 
sweep that under the rug or whatnot and who knows but do you think this is you know concrete enough evidence that we'll at least see a new fable title you know in the works or is coming down the pipeline or you know should fans just kind of chill out a bit not let the july events hype get in the way and just you know let's just wait and see type of thing i think um if it didn't have the microsoft employees kind of being involved there Mm -hmm. i would say that it's a hoax but i think that because microsoft employees were involved with the accounts in one way or the other it definitely feels like there's a lot of truth to this mm-hmm. i kind of wish i would have gotten these accounts myself so i could sell them to microsoft <laughs> yeah <laughs> to just completely be a scumbag because we both have kind of said um both of these franchises are probably going to come back it's just kind of a Mm no-brainer so to me it definitely feels like there's a lot of truth to these rumors um granted you know fans could have made the accounts or whatever and that's a possibility but based on you know the research you've done from the two articles um again you guys want to stop over there give those two clicks to you know kind of see what we uses our proof for our opinions um but by and large it definitely definitely feels like these are two franchises that are definitely to probably to definitely coming back which would be 50 percent to 100 uh probably to me would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 percent um or no 50 percent and definitely is like 80 and above mm-hmm. so for me i would definitely say that these two have a severe chance at coming back now are they going to be traditional experiences as we're used to with perfect dark in fable or are they going to be games like the gears tactics games i mean Mm -hmm. that's all things that we could hypothesize from here but to just report on the news period i would say that i would be shocked to not see these two come back with the next gen um and i would be okay with like a perfect dark tactics type game like the gears tactics game i wouldn't hate that i would love a full experience but um i think a game that you could kind of make perfect dark to resemble to kind of break the fps mold would be something similar to not a looter shooter i wouldn't like that i would say an rpg game with gun tactics uh, a game like fallout kind of comes to mind but there's better games that are just slipping my mind and you might have one in in your mind that would be like an rp kind of like not not like a destiny mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having trouble kind of tracking what game like something like an rpg ish but it's a shooter type thing it's primarily an rpg or at least like a, a streamlined experience that the developers want you to experience maybe not open world has some open world elements but it's primarily a shooter would, would make sense with perfect arc and mm-hmm. With Fable, I mean, you kind of, you know what you're going to get with Fable, hopefully. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I could see any one of those things. I, I definitely see those two coming back. The experiences would, would differ with both, obviously. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on the news, though. Yeah, it, it's, I I feel so safe on saying that there's definitely a Fable game in the work. Now, who knows if it's traditionally like it's going to be just called fable or directly called or referencing fable, or if it's going to be an experience in that world or something that, you know, will reference it. It's named something different, but it's, it's clearly centered in that world that was once built. Um, you know, so who knows the perfect dark one, it's a whole nother ball of wax, but the fable one, like, is just so there's so much, there's, 
It's like you look out your window and there's just a big ass fucking huge cloud of smoke. And you're like, okay, clearly there's a fire there. Like, I don't need to go and check. There's something, something's burning there. Like, so with this game, like, you look and you see all the surrounding evidence that goes around with it. You see the, you follow those breadcrumbs. You follow, you're like fucking James Woods following, ooh, Pete's candy. Ooh, Pete's candy. Ooh, Pete's candy. You follow it right there and you're like, oh shit, there's the box I get fucking trapped in like James Woods. So, like, you see that you're lead, you're led right to see, like, there's far too much evidence that there wouldn't be you know, a fable game right now, just because of everything that has come out regarding playground games and, you know, what they're able or what they've been working on. And now, like I said, though, it may be not physically direct, uh, like referencing fable, but it might be in that world. It might be, you know, it might not line up exactly with what we play- played in the past, but um, you know, and what it's really hard to think, what does a fable game look like as an open world RP action RPG and, you know, 2020 compared to when we last played Fable, uh, Fable 3, which was what, like 2011, 10, something like that? Nah, 20, it would have to be 2011, I think. Fable 3, I know 20... I don't, I don't have the specific date, but I 2010, do... 2010, 2010. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like junior, senior year of high school. It was senior year of high school, like yeah. Christmas time, senior year of high school. So it, it's, you know, I'm sure... You look at that, and we're looking at a ten-year difference now. That it's like, you know, what? Look at you. Look at how games have transformed in that time, and especially, you know, "quote unquote" open-world RPGs like Fable, and we've seen them expand. And you know, really, in terms of the density of them and what you're able to do within them, has you know really kind of been blown up. And especially too, you think of with Fable, and it really did, you know it really did remarkable things with having that, you know, you could play as good, you could play as bad and every act, you know, every interaction for the most part affects what you do within the game and, you know, how it's perceived and how your character is and yada, yada. But that's been, that's a trope now that is so just ingrained with everything you do in a role playing game for the most part. That it's like, okay, well, what do you got to do now for it? Like, what are you going to do to separate yourself as now what, you know, Microsoft is trying to do as, Hey, we've seen the success that Sony's had with first-party exclusives. The this polish that you find with them, you know, this polish and this uh, you know level of writing that you don't see, and the presentation, everything like that. Like we've seen that translate to sales and critical reception and whatnot. They're wanting to obviously get a piece of that pie. How do how do they do that with you know a title like Fable? And I enjoyed Fable title titles back in the day, still do, but like when you hold up fable compared to God of war or something like that, like it's, there's a clear gap. There's a clear, you know, jump in quality that we're seeing. And, you know, I just, I really hope that, you know, playground games is fucking awesome. What they were able to do. They let's put it this way. If playground games can get me into actually literally liking a racing game, they, they could do anything because I am, I'm just not a racing fan. I'm not, I've never been for the most part, but the Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon series is fucking incredible. It's so much fun. So if they are able to take the style that they have, the lightheartedness that they're, you know, able to instill into a game like Forza and, you know, especially to the art style that they have with the Forza Horizon series, they're able to kind of take all of that experience and build into, you know, build a lush world to explore within that Fable universe. Like, I'm all in for it, but, you know, it's... 
it's going to be it's going to be very interesting where they take it because there to me there's no chance that there isn't this fable game and i you know i don't want to be wrong like i'm saying this like okay i'm kind of throwing my neck out there a little bit but you know i i just think i'd be i would just be absolutely shocked if july rolls around and we don't see a game within the fable universe that from playground games now like I said, Perfect Dark's another situation. I, I personally hope that we don't see Perfect Dark as the initiative's title, but I wouldn't be shocked at this point. But I, me personally, I would just... I, I, I would hope for something else from the initiative. I want to see them create a new IP that is recognizable. This is a home... This is a grassroots, homegrown, started internally Microsoft Studio that I would rather see like i want to see them create their own intellectual property i want to see something yeah. that microsoft can latch onto and hold on to and say okay this is we're not we're not just repurposing you know a game that in no offense to perfect dart because i still would like to see what that game looks like as a modern day title because mm-hmm. of all the advancements we've seen with the fps genre and especially like the stealth genre and things like that like i'd like to see them take a crack at that and what that would look like now i still would play it but I want to see Microsoft have that. Okay, you Sony has Uncharted, The Last of Us, God of War, Spider Man. I want us, them to say, yo, we have Halo, we have Gears of War, we have Hellblade, we have whatever the initiative's working on. Like, I want to see how I want to make. I want to see Microsoft start to make those steps towards. Okay, you know what? We can let our games talk for once. Before we had to let our hardware talk, but now fuck it, dude. Mm-hmm. These games stand on their own, and I I don't think they get that with a perfect dark game necessarily. I, I hope I'm it wrong. Would be, it would be super. It would it would seem really silly for them to spend the amount of money they did for a studio like the Initiative to then just make them like make a game that's already been made. Basically, like right, like you said, like you kind of want them to get their feet wet with their own IP, and I totally mm-hmm. I totally agree because it seems it would seem like a waste to just use them to make perfect dark and again yeah. i'm not saying perfect dark zero is a bad game i'm not saying it's a bad universe that has nothing to do with my comments or your beliefs right. it's just a sole fact of like the xbox is severely lacking mm-hmm. lacking so de- they are looking desperately for an rpg title or some type of streamlined serve game and, and we've said this before, something that compete compete with The Last of Us, something that can compete mm-hmm. with the Uncharted series. It is with the Horizon Zero lacking. Dawn, like another yeah. open-world RPG, they don't have that internally that they can prop up and say... It, I mean, it's awesome because they they've always gotten Elder Scrolls games because, mm-hmm. look, like the Xbox exclusive Morrowind. But, like... Yeah. But that and they're still and I mean good. the they're still very intrin- intrinsically tied to Bethesda and you know and when I say Bethesda I mean Speaking Bethesda. Of, I just drove past Bethesda and Rockville on my yield, way here. I was gonna say yield Rockville, man. Um, <laughs> but it's they're still so intrinsically tied and and when I say Bethesda I mean Bethesda Game Studios the you know the studios that bring you Elder Scrolls, Fallout, soon mm-hmm. Starfield, you know so when you see those games revealed at an event, it's usually with Xbox. It seems like at least with, with how big Todd's gotten over there, he seems to like to work with Xbox or work with Phil and, you know, bring at least reveal a lot of their things at an Xbox event, um, which they've Mm -hmm. done the past couple of times that they have, have had something to show there. So, you know, it's, I, I just want, I know, I know the work that Microsoft can do. I know the, how, talented some of these teams are within xbox game studios they have 
and granted, we've seen now that you can't just buy success with what Mixer became with where you throw a lot of money at these huge name streamers and, you know, nothing pans out with them. But, you know, yeah, it, it's unfortunate besides them can. fucking finessing a bag off of Microsoft, which, you know, good for them. But I'm saying, like, we've seen that money can't do that, but at least money can bring talented people together in terms of their development where you can start these studios like the initiative and bring you know this this hive mind of just ridiculously talented people former creative directors former environmental leads like things like that that you're able to bring in to make these you know an experience that hopefully will you could hold up and say this is a homegrown microsoft studio because i mean at the end of the day and i will move on after this but like the only reason Perfect Dark exists is because Rare lost the James Bond license and went to EA, and that was they wanted to capitalize off of the GoldenEye success. They wanted to keep that going, so they made Perfect Dark that basically used a straight-up similar engine and build and playstyle that used uh, that was used for GoldenEye, and they just built off of that and wanted to make more of that because they've seen the success that it had. So. You know, I want to see something that, and I, like I said, I'll gladly play it. I, I'll be excited for it because I do want to see what they want to do. But I want Microsoft to, I want to see, I want to see them have the gall to be like, you know what? Let's, I, I'd rather wait four or five years. I'd rather wait till, you know, two more years down the road and have them have a full development cycle creating a whole brand new, brand new IP that Microsoft could just call their own and not say, you know, well, we got it from the Rare Agreement. No, it's homegrown. You will only, like like Halo, like Gears of War, you will only ever associate this with Xbox. That's mm-hmm. what I want out of that. That they can and build off of that. It has to be an RPG experience. Yeah, 100%. Especially from the initiative. 100%. They are, like I said, maybe that Fable, maybe the Fable game can do that. I hope it can because I would love to see Fable reinvented with more, I don't want to say tropes, but like more modern, or um, you know, a modern modernization of what an open world RPG is now. Like, I really would love to see that, and I think they can do it, no problem. They make awesome open worlds in the Horizon, uh, in Forza Horizon. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be excited either way. But I just, in terms of the perfect dark side, I just really hope that I'd really like to see something original. So. Mm-hmm. Mike, let's end the party chat our last segment before we wrap up here. And if you're familiar with our show if you've been a long time listener you may remember party chat we take questions from you and whatnot and we answer them but we're gonna we brought it back doing a little bit of a twist on it so each week we're going to propose one question at the end of the show that we want to discuss could be as simple as you know what's your favorite story beat in the game or what have you been playing during quarantine or could be more in depth as to why the negative stigma around gaming still exists and you know after we answer it ourselves we're going to kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our twitter at gpgc podcast and we'll read some of those responses the following week so last week's question with halo infinite technically being cross-gen what franchise do you think is strong enough for microsoft to put a new entry as the first xbox series x exclusive title and uh one that i picked out here mark d7920 over on twitter says i would love to see the initiative's title push title push to be the reason Hold on, I gotta make sure I'm reading this right. I would love to see the initiative's title be the reason to buy an Xbox Series X. There we go. I, I think I added another word when I was copying it over. But with the budget for the game probably being huge, hopefully they can make something that resonates with a lot of gamers. If not, the next Gear Gears of War title potentially. I 
kind of falls in line right with what we were saying before about the initiative that, you know, and I think I've even, I think we both kind of said that last week that that's the title that I think is just innately attracted to like now being aligned with the Xbox series X and that level of quality that we're hoping to see from a first party studio. Um, you know, so I definitely agree with that gears of war. I don't know. I don't know if that has the potential to necessarily move consoles like it previously did back in, you know, last console generation, but I don't know. We'll see. So this week's question though, which do you think we will see first? Any new information regarding the Elder Scrolls 6 or the release of a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim for next-gen consoles? Mike, which do you think we'll see first? Any new information regarding Elder Scrolls 6 or do we see the release of a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim on the Xbox Series X? You already know. Like, you know I'm going <laughs> to troll the shit out of this question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be the 10th anniversary of Skyrim for the mm-hmm. next gen. Yeah, I, I I don't think we... I mean, there's there's been rumors floating around of potentially Bethesda holding their own event in July, I believe. I believe it's this month. I haven't heard... We obviously haven't heard anything yet about what's going on with them or whatnot, but um, a lot of people, since they canceled an E3-style event... Um, at least internally, it sounded like from what I've heard, Zenimax wanted to potentially have, still have an event. So they were going to do something because they wanted to start promoting Starfield. I don't know. I still don't think, let's put it this way. We know as much about Starfield as we do about the Elder Scrolls six and Starfield is the next game to come out. And we know nothing literally about it besides the splash screen that we've seen a 30 second teaser trailer or whatever that showed us nothing. So if I think we even potentially see a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim before that, but hopefully I eat my words on that because I, I would hope that we see something from uh, Starfield any day now for the most part, at least by the end of the year. And it sounds positive. Like we might, but I don't know who knows, but um, yeah, I definitely think before elder Scrolls six, definitely a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim. And that's any information too. So like I said, I'm like you, fucking i hope i'm wrong you know that'd be i would love to be wrong and then just be like yeah it's coming out and then you know it's going to be out in 2022 and here's what we got so far and blah 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 and then also too next year we're going to do a skyrim 10th anniversary edition or whatever cool perfect that'd be awesome but i just don't see that happening i see i i think they keep milk in that skyrim train and i i don't blame them because people keep fucking buying it but you know it is what it is man so Time to hear what you guys think. Tweet us at GPGC Podcast. Let us know what you think about if we're going to see any new information regarding Elder Scrolls 6 or the release of a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim for the Xbox Series X. Let us know what you think over on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. And you never know, you might just have your response read on the show like Mark D did this past week. So, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you to talk about all things, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 and whatever the fuck we're going to hear anything about it or, you know, Starfield or anything we talked about today. Where can people find you on the interwebs to chat about all of our nerdy video game news? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Soldier T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. And you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I am your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including Twitter, at Travelus underscore, that's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time over on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, the same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live at 
Travelish, just regular Travelish, T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, and as always, that's pretty much the same on every gaming platform, so by all means, look me up, let's play some games, let's have some fun, man. So, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get a podcast at, rate us, review us, all that jazz, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games, a like in our dope giveaways. So that being said, thank you everyone for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on. Wash your hands. Be careful. We're starting to see spikes again with the coronavirus and everything, especially in our area. It's getting scary again. This thing's very real. Just be careful. Everyone be careful. Be considerate of others. Wear a mask by all means. Just wear a mask. Wash your hands. All that jazz. Mike will tell you wash your ass like he did before too. Do that as well. That usually helps um, in all in other ways, not just the fucking coronavirus. So, uh, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next week.